prayed that prayer this morning. I said, God, out of my belly shall flow rivers of living waters. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. It's good to see each one of you in the house of the Lord today. Thank you, musicians and singers. God bless you this morning. I know it was a little different, and I may not have made that little area quite as clear as I should have, but uh, anyway, uh, God's good. God's good. Amen. Got a good lesson, really, and uh, like I said, uh, we're going to follow it pretty much, uh, but uh, not all together. We really, uh, we're not going to be in a hurry. I am, but I'm not. I will respect the time, but at the same time, we're going to, we're going to gather one time, you know. We're, we're going to get our money's worth. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, if I went to a restaurant or somewhere like that to eat, now if it was only $5, I'd approach it a little different. But if it cost me $50, I'd find me something I'd really like, and I'd eat a plate full of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God, you know. Uh, just, that just all plays a part of it, of, of what it cost. And uh, we know that this costs Jesus Christ everything. And he paid a debt that we couldn't pay, that you and I could have such an opportunity to, to come together, to join together, and to be set free and, and delivered. I don't know if you've been keeping up with your lessons, reading them, studying them. Uh, I looked at this one, and uh, really just being in prayer and just the heartbeat of God, direction. Uh, we really want this service to, to count. We really want it to, to be anointed of God and blessed of the Lord. And hey, I'm really going to focus on that. I'm, I really am. And uh, trying to maybe go back to some old landmarks, go back to some things. Uh, uh, during this past few weeks, I read a book, a minister, and it was just about him, and it was some of the early times, early 1900s, 30s and 40s, uh, and some of the directions and some very beginnings of the certain organizations and what, what, they, what took place and what happened. And uh, believe it or not, prayer, prayer particular minister I read about, a man couldn't sing, told him he couldn't, said he was uh, tone deaf and things of that nature, and, and uh, so you know what, now he was just young, he was young, just in school, uh, high school, 13, 14 years old, and um, he got praying about it, he said, you know, he wanted to sing, so man, he just got serious with God about it, got all broke up, now his parents wasn't going to church, they didn't hinder him, but they wasn't going. And uh, so he got to seeking God, and God blessed him and helped him, and he got where he could sing. And, and the, the choir leader didn't want him, you know, didn't want him in the choir. They went to one camp meeting. So uh, <laughs> the guy told him when he went to come up, the guy told him, he said, I heard you was told that you can't. And so sure enough, he said, I just slipped around outside the tent, slipped up behind the tent, slipped right up in that choir. <laughs> Said, man, he said, I stand out there singing by. I said, this young lady that knew him, young sister of the church, and she got to listen to him. He said, hey. He said, I pray, and God's touched me so he could sing. And so it went from that. He wanted to learn how to play the piano. So sure enough, and he, he got to pray. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make here, praying, 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 and uh, that was more focused on that and praying and praying down the power of God and uh, Convicting hand of the Lord. So we, we're going to try our best to go back. And this lesson is going to tie into some of it with Josiah. 
Now, I'm, I'm going to do my best. I've got a lot I'd like to cover, all the way back from Saul, right on back to some of the, the other kings, from Hezekiah, Manasseh, Amen, and then, then to Josiah. And uh, if you read this lesson, if you got the heartbeat of this lesson, um, we, we, can, we can realize what Josiah, now we know he was prophesied over. We know that the hand of God was there, and uh, Josiah could have easily looked at the previous ministration, see how horribly it had failed, and he could have listened to the prophecy that had been prophesied and given to him, what was going to happen after this time of demonstration. Amen. How it was going to fail again. And so... This is some that I'm going to focus on. Because watch, Josiah and the power of obedience. The power of obedience. It's really, when you study the book, and you find the heartbeat of God, you're going to see that obedience is greater than sacrifice. Obedience unto the word of God, unto the voice of God. That's when we talk about the gospel. We talk about the good tidings, the good news. We talk about the foundation. You want me to tell you why there's so many religions? See, see, this is not a religion. It's an experience. Pentecost. Which basically means 50, which takes you back to Jubilee. It takes you back to the feast days and it takes you, amen. And, and so you see the foundation that's laid. It's an experience of God. Nothing can take the place of it. There's nothing that can substitute for the laying down of the true foundation of true repentance, of true humbling ourselves. And then following obedience in baptism, both of water and of spirit. And then from that point, having an ear and a heart and a passion, desire. And our readings uh, in the last few weeks I've read where it talks about they got ears, but, but they don't hear. They got eyes, but they don't see. And he wasn't talking about idols. He was talking about the Jewish people. He was talking about the Hebrew people. Man, they, they, they couldn't seem to really hear what God was saying in the Word of God. Has there ever been a time and a generation upon this earth that we better be praying about being able to hear, being able to see the hand of God and see the truth and the revelation? Uh, I've, I've been reading a lot and listening to Brother Wilson in the last few and last, I, I, I really appreciate this man, and I'd love to, you know, anyway, uh, he focuses on that. He really does, about really hearing what the Word of God is saying, really paying attention, amen, taking it to heart. I, I've made this statement in the last few months, and uh, I, I ought to have done been making this statement, but the Word of God is like a treasure, and you and I have got to dig it out. It's not just going to happen. It's not just. There's times there is events that God. Uh, he reveals things to us. He speaks to us driving down the road. There could be scriptures. And somebody may sing a song. Or somebody may address it from the pulpit. And, or, or even in just in conversation. 
But I'm going to tell you something. You know why that happened? It's because you was hungry and thirsty and you was seeking for it. It didn't just happen. God didn't just by chance all of a sudden just start dropping to you. Even with Ruth. Boaz instructed his servants. He instructed them on purpose to drop. If there was a lot of effort and energy put in before that ever took place. Before that ever arranged and put in. And so as we watch this here today. Because I believe it's very important. I believe this is going to be very important where we're at. And what we're facing. And what we've been through. That's how obedient I'm going to be to the word of God. And the voice of God. When I can't even join together with my church family. I'm going to tell you something. We may not can join together in the, in the measure and the power and as often at this present time as we would like. But I'm going to tell you something. We got a God that can unite every member in this church. In the power of prayer and supplication. And there can be events that can take place in this body that, hey, nobody's never even called you. You didn't hear it from anybody else. But in prayer and obedience to the heart and the voice of God, the one head... And it don't just have to connect just to this local assembly. But it can reach out to assemblies across the world. From Africa to Brazil to, to wherever and whatever direction you want to go in. That's how God works. None of this has stopped the operation of the powers of God. And the power of obedience. The power of obedience. You see, when you and I know that we obey the word of God. We have a passion to obey it. Even in the times of absence, in times of our own home. But you know what? We're not going to let the enemy slip in. We're not going to let it be a time and a moment, amen, of carnality and weakness. Take the upper hand. I know there's probably some of you as like as I was. I used some of that time to read, and I probably read and prayed more than I would have normally. Because I had the time. But there was a period of time there I prayed very little. I didn't read any. I'm just telling you like it was. So sick that I couldn't hold my head up to read. But after them days passed, I picked it back up. And I went right back to it. And that's what you and I've got to do. You see, I can have a move of the Holy Ghost on the front porch. I can have a move of the Holy Ghost in my own bedroom. I can have a move of the Holy Ghost and a touch of God and Rakana stretched out but, but, but in the struggle and the battle that goes on inside of us. Hey, I'm telling you, there was a warfare that went on. That went on inside this old vessel right here. And, and I didn't tell everything. And I've told some a little here and there. But I thank God, amen, and from the very first night, from hour to hour, I knew what was fixing to happen, what was going to take place. But there was a God that didn't forsake, and I knew he was there. No, I wouldn't jump in stumps. I wouldn't dancing and doing all of that. But I knew who I was serving. And I knew who I'd put my confidence in. And I knew even though when I couldn't feel him, he wasn't going to forsake me. But he was going to be right there when it felt like the fever was going to get the upper hand. And the Sickness was going to slip me out. I still knew, no, God. Hello, you're still alive and well. And Corona's no difference with you than leprosy, than blinded eyes, and deaf ears, or any other thing that the enemy's got to attack us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. When nothing else can sustain me, you will. Come on, God. Yeah. This
this is where we got to get the understanding of the revelation, the importance of obedience. Power of it. Power of it. I'm telling you, we wouldn't. And I know this is, this is going to be. We wouldn't have all these religions with true obedience. God is not the author of confusion. In fact, he instructed our apostle, the apostle Paul, to write into the Corinthian church that these things ought not be isms and schisms. All said and done, they ought not be the divisions even among our ministers. It's there. I'm not being ugly. I'm just telling you, it's there. Some of it's just because carnality and things of that nature. But at the same time, there's some things that you and I must hold dear. In our hearts, our minds, and spirits. That You know what? I'm going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it. Some things we're not going to, we're going to go back to. Reform. That's what this lesson's all about. And you're going to see that God uses a young boy at eight years of age. And you're going to see this young man that has a passion, has a desire and a hunger. And takes on the leadership at a very early age to set the stage and set the platform. Amen. To make their way back to God. And to experience a certain winter or a season, a moment. Let me ask you something. How many of you believe, like or dislike Mr. Trump, but you really have to believe that with all that we have faced and what he has faced and the decisions that's been made and the directions that's been taken, that he was a God-put man in that office. Like or dislike. Hmm. So, now God, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I don't believe in chance. I don't believe in flipping a coin. <laughs> I don't believe in gambling. I don't go down to casinos and think I'm going to win my riches down there. So, as we begin to watch some of this unfold, and, and I'm not going to go into all the lesson. Go back and read it. If you hadn't read it, please go back and read it. He brings out some stuff and brings out some important things. But I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay with the word today. I'm going to use the scriptures. And we're going to take, talk about them. And uh, this is probably going to get me in trouble, amen, to a certain degree. Uh, it's not one of the times I'd love to just have all these chapters memorized and things of that nature. And uh, this is not going to mean a whole lot, but it will help. And, um, but I'm, I'm going to do my best here to cover as much as I can. I, I really hope to do that. Amen. Because you're going to see some things that took place in Josiah's life and in his ministry. Because this is why it's so important to first of all have the anointing of God. And have the backing of the word of God in the world that we're living in today. Josiah is going to give us a pattern. A man, a, 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 like a prime example of what you and I as individuals and as a local assembly, we ought to be doing and work at it. Because there's going to be some things that Josiah had to have tore down that had been under the, the, the leadership or had been set up since the very first king that was set over Israel. 
Now, now, sometimes people may think, well, what in politics, and I'm not big in politics either, don't get me wrong here, but I have realized in the last few years that it plays a more important role in our lives and on our earth than we might want to admit. Okay? And so we, we must get involved, but our motives is going to be far different than theirs. Our motives is God's will be done. We're not party men, okay? And you take that the way you want to. I don't care. That's your business. Uh, but, but, but I'm not just going to be just because of some party, whatever. I'm not going to vote just straight that way because it's... And I know that's, that's getting wide. Well, I'm messing up already. But anyway, hallelujah. I tell you what, I'm going to pray God's will. And I'm going to pray God to help me to know it. If Paul told us we, we wouldn't be in our Satan's devices, well, my goodness, if it, we ought not be ignorant of Satan's devices. We sure ought not be ignorant of what God wants. of God and the will of God in our life. I mean, we're in this kingdom. We're, he's put us in this body. And so it's his will. But you know, carnality, the world and the devil is doing everything it can to kinder and to stop keep things from happening. But uh, God's working. So anyway, here we go. Focus thought, the focus thought. God expects us to what? God expects us to obey his word. Let's settle that in our hearts, our minds, and spirit. Let God be truth and every man a liar. If it's in this book, God expects us to obey it. Not just hear it, you know, but to obey it. To love Him. To worship Him. To, to, to fall in love with the things of God. That's one, one, that's one area I pray over. When our, these young children come for prayer, they may be coming for sickness, whatever, but I pray for them. I said, God, put a love in them for the things of God. For the things of God. If they can just fall in love with the things of God. And then if they can get the Holy Ghost. My wife and I talked about this again yesterday. Amen. To somehow to get it into their minds and hearts and souls. Now you watch this. I'm going to quit preaching that you've got to have the Holy Ghost. Boy, that went over good. You know what we really need to be preaching? You ought to want the Holy Ghost. It's the best deal there is. It's the best thing that can ever happen to you. There's nothing more greater, more powerful, more beautiful that can shape and form you and direct you above everything else. It's not just something you've got to have. You've got to have it. But you know what? Some, you know, we need to present this thing in a way that, you know, it caused them to want to have it. To want to have the Holy Ghost. To want to come to the house of God. To want to serve Jesus Christ. The writer put it this way. Joy, unspeakable, full of glory. Can you top that? Can the world top that? Can the devil top that? Can drugs top that? Can alcohol top that? I don't think so. So that's the point I'm trying to make. You got to have it, but you know what? But if we could present this in a way that they would want it, we would live it in a way that they would desire it. As we humble ourselves, and you're going to notice. This is what Josiah done when he heard the word. And uh, it sure wasn't fancy preaching either. Simply uh, the scribe reading the word of God, reading the law to him. He humbled himself at eight years old. He humbled himself, yielded himself. 
We're going to notice some things by the time he turns 16. And in that same verse, 20. Things he began to promote. Things that he had the position. He had the place. He had this, the, the place of authority. That's the reason God help us. God help us, especially as ministers, never to use this pulpit for our own agendas, our own candy sticks, our own passions. God help us with love, with tears, with brokenness, with humbleness to preach this gospel like we've never preached it before. And the power of the Holy Ghost could fall in our services. Because what draws us to him? I'm in the book. It's his spirit. No man could come unto him unless his spirit draws them. Could it be the reason they had such, uh, I'm going to say revivals? Is because of his presence that would show up at these camp meetings. Tent revivals and brush harbors and storefront buildings and places like that. It was his presence. Amen. So we need it. So as we get into the lesson today, go we inquire of the Lord for me. Notice what he says. I want you to go and inquire unto the Lord when this is brought to his attention about the law, about what they found. Where did they find it? The house of God. That's a reason it's so important to assemble ourselves together. That's a reason it's so important for you to have a local assembly called the house of God. True, 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 true. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost, but none of us is an island. None of us can buy ourselves and all along. How many of you are like the last three weeks? No church. No assembling of yourselves together. No, no, no midweek services of getting a little shot in the arm, a little uplifting, a little encouragement. <laughs> Being used of God. Sometimes it's, it's, it's greater blessing to the individual to, you know, just, to be, just to be used of God, be moved upon and help people. You ever help somebody and wind up, you know, it was a better, greater blessing to you than it was to them? That happens. That's the way this works. So, praise God. Go, he says, inquire the Lord for me, for the people, and for all of Judah. People in all of Judah. Not just the city of Jerusalem. Not just this certain set, this certain little group here. No, we're going we're gonna to include everybody. We're going to include all the cities, <laughs> all of Judah. Concerning the words of this book, that is found, for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. He, he recognized the wrath of God, the judgment of God. You go to Revelations, that sixth chapter, I believe it's the last verse, and that word wrath is mentioned there when he talks about these seals and being opened. There is a difference between the wrath of God and the tribulation. I do believe that. And we're going to face. What did he tell us? You're going to suffer for my name's sake. And there's going to be some very, very troubled times. And we haven't seen nothing yet. Now, who's going to be here and who's going to be involved in it? <laughs> Boy, that's a different opinion no matter who you talk to just about it. But I can tell you this much that I learned in my studies. One thing for sure. From Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 
the New Testament, John the Revelator, from everybody. You know who's going to be victorious? It's the followers and believers of Jesus Christ. So you know what? All that study, the best it done for me. But you know what? I just humble myself and walk with Jesus. I'm going to win. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I have to face the mark of the beast or not. It doesn't matter if I have to face the moments in my life, amen, whether we're going to eat or not. It doesn't matter what kind of earthquakes and what kind of storms that we face. If I just walk with Jesus Christ and be obedient to his word, we're going to win. We're going to be victorious. Everything else is going to be seeking sand. Everybody else and every other God and every other belief is coming under submission. Because God's got this thing mapped out. But it's going to be those that believe this gospel. The 144,000 that's sealed. And the gospel they preach. There's only one gospel, ladies and gentlemen. There's not going to be two or three gospels. Anyway, let me get on. So as we watch this, and, and, and there's a lot to, to try to behold what's going to fix and take place in this particular lesson. And uh, I've got about four hours to make up here today, so we're going to do our best to do it. He goes on, he talks and begins, the, the writer does, and he talks about the reign of Manasseh. Manasseh, which is actually the grandfather of Josiah. And um, as you watch this, and I, I want to bring out some things about Manasseh. But even prior to Manasseh, you got Hezekiah. Hezekiah is one as alone, Asa, a man, one of the kings that Josiah falls in line with, with as far as revival and reforming and things of that nature that's taking place, a man, for Israel, uh, for Judah. I'm sorry, for Judah. Israel didn't have any righteous kings. Also, Judah, you're going to notice in this lesson today that they allowed certain things to affect them coming from the north, coming from Israel, that had to be uprooted and had to be cast out. Uh, there's going to be a lot said here in this time to, that you and I must understand because uh, we're living in a time where anything that can be shaken is being shaken. In other words, doctrines. If, if you have not grounded and established the doctrines of this gospel and truth, amen, into your heart, your mind, and spirit, you're going to be, as the Bible talks about, as a child that is tasked to and fro. Amen. It is not the will of God for us to be cast to and fro. Amen. But be anchored enough and grounded enough in the word of God. But that takes us right back. The word of God is a treasure. You and I have to dig it out. If you depend on what you receive from this pulpit only. Amen. Then you're going to be in a bind. That's like eating three meals a week. Three meals a week. What do you think you look like? And I don't care how much you eat on those three meals. <laughs> you can space them out. Or you can eat them all the same day and then fast for six. It don't make any difference. Gonna be some of the same results. <laughs> Amen. Spiritually speaking, that's the same way. That's the reason we're living in a generation, we're living in a world. America's gonna be without excuse. We got Bibles galore. Amen. We got them on our phones, we got them on our computers, we got all types of translations. We got at our fingertips all kind of means away. But you and I still have to take out the time and dig it out to know what God wants you and I to do. Amen. As followers and disciples of Jesus Christ and the stand that He wants us to make. I'm making some of these statements to help us understand because even among us, and when I 
say that, I'm talking about of one God, apostolic people. Hallelujah. There's, there's a shifting. There's a changing. There's different opinions and different ideals. But you know what? There's only, I, I, I'm a firm believer in one Holy Ghost. These people that can claim it. I got Bible to back that up. They said, we knew you. We cast out devils in your name. We raised the dead in your name. Hallelujah. We've done all these wonderful works and mighty things. And Jesus looks at them and says, I never knew you. They didn't build on the right foundation. And he talks about those that don't build on the right foundation is going to do some mighty things and powerful things. Watch this. Faith moves God. And the Bible says God's not going to owe any man. What I'm trying to get us to really understand, there's nothing more powerful than obedience. If you hold on to obedience and have a true hunger and a thirst for the word of God, you can be saved. You can win the journey. You can be victorious. I don't care what's coming, what's going on, how much corona there is, how much bankruptcy takes place, how much turmoil takes place, how many clouds come our way, how many storms we got to walk through, how many weary days we got. As we stay obedient to the word of God, God will never forsake us nor leave us. And we'll find help and strength and energy for him when you can't find it in any other place. You'll find comfort and assurance that you know what? God's going to see us through. And so, as you watch some of this, even with Hezekiah, and, and, and it's prophesied, you, you read about the last part of his reign and what took place. Uh, watch this. Hezekiah made the stand for what? Now, all the other cities had been destroyed. All the other gods had been destroyed when, when the enemy came against him. So Necherib and him sent letters and come against him. He told him, who do y'all think y'all are? Y'all going to stand? You think you're God? Don't let Hezekiah fool you. Don't let him lie to you. And But you know all the stories. I don't have a lot of time to go into all that. But you see all that begin to unfold and take place. And you can see even at the chambers where, 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 the, where the, the prophet is sent unto him. Amen. And he comes to him. Now watch this. this Isaiah 36, 37, 8, and 9. Amen talks about this period of time of Judah talks about this and this is just prior to Manasseh. Now Manasseh is the son, amen, of Hezekiah and so we watch this great demonstration of Hezekiah, the fight that he puts up, how God blesses him even to the point whenever he sends the man of God to him, amen, Isaiah to him and tells him, you gotta die, get your house in order. He turns his face to God he tells him how he's obeyed his word, how he's kept his principles, his commandments and so the man of God before he gets out of the second chamber turns him around, sends him back, amen and tells him he's going to be healed. And I told, I told Sister Linda this yesterday. I was talking to her and you're just trying to get Bill back up. And, and I told her, I said, Sister Linda, I said, look at Isaiah. I said, look at Hezekiah. I mean, Hezekiah, amen, was going to die. And the man of God comes back. But you know what? Now, God could have just miraculously, he and the man of God had walked back there and said, Hezekiah, you're going to be healed. You're going to be all right. No sickness come, come your way. But you know what? That's not what happened, did it? No, there was a what? A lump of figs that he had to put on that boil. Amen. And then they had to go through a process still for it to all transpire and take place. So, you know, God's got, amen, procedures and means and ways of, of fulfilling things. So, you know what? The cure again. You know what? You know what Hezekiah had to do? He had to obey. The man of God said, put that big lease, amen, on you and then we'll let it take whatever it's supposed to do and, and work out and everything's going to be all right. So, what did he do? He gave him 15 years. Watch this. Three years later. Manasseh comes on the scene. He's 13 years old now. My memory serves me right. That he became 12 years. I'm sorry. Manasseh was 12 years old. He takes the rulership and the kingship. And watch what the Bible says. Now, he, he served longer than any of the kings. 55 years he serves as king. 
That's a long time. Verse 3. Saul, David, and Solomon on his third 40. Okay. Now, here's Manasseh. And starting at the early age of 12. And, and in the last 15 years, he had to hear about. He had to know about. Hezekiah and his father. And things that happened and took place. But the Bible quickly, it goes into things. It says, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. After the abominations of the heathen whom the Lord had cast out before the children of Israel. Listen to what he's saying. He became more vile and wicked a man than the Canaanites that was, that was in that, that geographical location that worshipped idols and other gods. He led Judah. He led them into sinfulness, unrighteous, ungodly ways. Manasseh did. He built up again things that Hezekiah had tore down. Now remember, Hezekiah was the one. It wasn't easy for him. He was the man. Now watch this. At one time, the brazen serpent was the very item that delivered and, and, and brought, gave them life when the serpent bit the Israelites. Amen. They would look what? The brazen serpent, which was a type of Christ. Okay. But after a while, the Israelites made it a God. And worshipped the brazen serpent and not the God of the brazen serpent. That's the reason we don't walk out here in the parking lot and turn our faces and lift our hands to the sun, the S-U-N, and worship it. Huh. Okay? Neither do we collect rocks, things of that nature, and bow down. Images. God, from the very beginning, taught his followers, his children, not to set up any images from the sea, the earth, or the heavens. That's the reason you and I even have to be careful of what pictures Decorations decorate our homes with. I'm, 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 I'm talking to us now. That's the reason you and I have to be careful what we, we give our minds and our hearts and our passions to. Did you know that we can just live in a fantasy world? Always believe, and you know what? It's just going to miraculously happen. This is just. Oh. You know, at one time, this country looked at Hollywood as just that. Just a fantasy world. You didn't take it to heart. You didn't. But you know what? It just kept working, didn't it? Kept ingraining. Kept getting a hold. you got people now that believe that some of those characters are, are real. Treat them that way. Humble themselves and give themselves and follow their lifestyle. That they portray on Hollywood. Dress like them. Get cut up and marked up like them. Images. You know what you and I need to do? We need to start looking our, to ourselves like God looks at us. What do you mean by that, preacher? That means looking at ourselves like he looks at us, that we can come what he desires us to be. 
while we're so prone and subject to give ourselves to failure and the world, when we can, if we make up in our minds with the power of obedience, I'm going to obey your word, and I'm going to let your word and your spirit fashion, shape, and mold me. Talk to somebody in just the last few little while. You know, it's a lot of focus on tongues, and that's part of it. It's an initial sign. It's part of it. It's actually used in, in services to help to minister to the church and give direction. But you know what? It's just as important. It's the nine fruits of it. That every Holy Ghost child should cultivate and work toward to bear. Because it's a package deal. I mean, when I go by an automobile, I don't ask them, does the steering wheel come? <laughs> does, does these wheels or tires, do they, they come with it? You know. Yeah, you bought it, but you know what? We forgot to tell you we're taking the wheels and tires off the steering wheel. And, you know. If you want all this, these are extra items. It's, you know. Now, if you listen to the religious world out there, that's what they'll try to tell you. It's just extra gifts. Just add why would, why would God want to give us some add-ons when he can give it to us all at one time? Access to it. But you know where the power's at? Obedience. And so as you watch Manasseh, as he begins to set back up and put back into action things that Hezekiah had tore down, things that he had pulled down, and so we watch him here. He built again the high places which Hezekiah's father destroyed. He reared up altars for Baal. <laughs> didn't do away with altars. Didn't do away with worship. They didn't even do away with sacrifice. Who are you sacrificing to? Who are you building these altars for? He goes from that. He says, and making groves. Groves, groves, actually, a grove is a wooden stump or something that would a lot of times would be set. Beside the, the altar that was offered unto Baal. So there would be a statue here. If they'd really dig into some of that, they'd be shocked where it comes from. Old Baal has not died. Old Baal is alive and working well in the spiritual realm. So it's, we, we see some of this that's set up. He said he built altars in the, watch this, even in the house of God, he built altars unto Baal. So he has, has in his time come in. Now, if you go to end, because you're going to see that Manasseh, now watch this, obedience, humbled himself and he repents. When he was carried into a pit. Okay. Time's running out. I don't have time for all that, okay? But now, watch this. As that slips away, and uh, I'm just going to have to go with some scriptures here. You're going to realize that his son, Amon, comes on the scene now. And this is just prior to Josiah. And the Bible simply tells us he's, he's 22 years old. He begins his reign. He's only in reign for two years. And, 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 and there you're going to see that some of his own servants, amen, because he done that which was evil in the sight of the Lord as his father 
Manasseh did. And he walked up, up all the ways of his father, walked and he served idols and his father served and worshiped them. And he besook the Lord God of the fathers and walked in the ways and walked not in the ways of the Lord. And the servants of Ammon conspired against him. His own servants conspired against him and took his life. And then the people of the land rose up against the servants and anybody that had anything to do with it and destroyed them. And then Josiah comes on the scene at eight years old in the midst of all of this that just took on, took place. And we think we're in trouble. We're thinking we're coming out of some difficult times, difficult situations. But remember now, Josiah had been prophesied 280 years prior to this time. A man of God had came from Judah to Gilgal and told Jeroboam, who was setting up the altar and going to offer the sacrifice and named him by name Josiah and said, you'll see the time when he's going to rent this altar and he's going to take the bones of these prophets, these of low you set up to be spiritual leaders. Can I say this? You better be careful who you choose to be your spiritual leader. The blind leading the blind, they're both going to fall in the ditch. If your spiritual leader doesn't have any insight and he doesn't have a vision, there's no anointing upon him. And he, he came out of the scriptures, give you a plan of salvation and direction and overcoming life. I'd find me another spiritual leader. <laughs> that may not have been so much for you as somebody else has listened to it out there. And it may be a month from now. But somebody needs to hear that. Because if there's ever been a time that we need some good, godly, wholesome leaders, we're there. We're there. This country is being deceived, man, and being persuaded that any old lifestyle would do. I don't believe in hating nobody. But we better hate sin. And we better hate the devil. So when you, you move from that, it comes, and there's two chapters here that we're going to try to cover of Josiah. I know it's a little slower, and I apologize for that. But, but I really want to lay some things down here. I want you to really to, 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 to get some of this to get a hold of us Amen. Of how that we can have revival and, and reform taking place. Even here, as much as Josiah and what took place. Amen. You and I can have it as much also in this hour. And so we see that Josiah comes on the scene. He's eight years old when he begins to reign. And, and he's going to reign for some 31 years. He's going to be in Jerusalem. And the Bible begins to instruct us. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the ways, in all the ways of who? David, his father. If you go back to any of the kings, a man that walked right and righteous, that's the term you're going to see after this. He was not necessarily his earthly father. But yet, when you begin to talk about spiritual and following commandments and principles that are godly, there's got to be that core. Got to be that center place, like our chief cornerstone called Jesus Christ. And our chief corner, not chief corners, but cornerstones are apostles called Peter and Paul. 
And when you go back and you want to have revival and you want to be reformed as an individual or as a church or as a nation or however, how you want to put it, as a family, then these are the principles that you've got to go back. And so we see here that Josiah, as the word of God, helps us understand following the spiritual principles and commandments of his father called David. David becomes the watermark. David becomes the benchmark for all the kings following him. Not Saul. Oh, I'd love to go back to Saul. Take you back to about the first Samuel's the 15th chapter. Somewhere around 30-something verse. I believe it's there. Wherever he was sent out when God told him to go out and destroy the Amalekites, which represented sin. The people that had waited secretly to destroy God's chosen people and to annihilate them. And God saying judgment's coming and it's going to happen. Now you listen to what I'm fixing to say. Even in the life of Josiah, a man, judgment's going to come. Because even after he set up and he sends the people to Hilda, Hilda, a man which happened to be a prophetess, and she instructs him, hey, all this is going to happen. It's not going to, God is not going to repent. Now watch this. God's not going to change his mind about the judgment. They cross the line and this judgment's going to come. Go to Saul now. When Saul refused to take all the Amalekites, amen, he brought Agag Amen. The king back with him. And at the beginning of it, you read it, Saul and the people done it. But when Samuel walks up, all of a sudden, Samuel blames the people and said, they're the ones that picked the best of the land and the best of the, the animals and the sacrifice that we can offer them unto God. But Samuel instructed him, wouldn't it be better, amen, to obey the voice of God than to offer sacrifices? God don't want the best the world's got to offer. God wants us to obey his word and his commandments and his principles. Hallelujah. Keep leaving. He hungers thirst after that amen above everything else so obedience is better than sacrifice obedience the power of obedience you know what's going to be the difference heaven or hell that's what's going to be the difference the power of obedience some people say, well, it doesn't really matter. It does matter. It's going to matter. So as we watch Josiah here, and, and, and we begin to see, what's the first thing he does? He starts working with the house of God, the temple. They'd been taking treasure in, taking money in. But the, the house, the temple of God had decayed. So... They search, they begin to, and what do they find? A priest. A priest. Now, I'm not saying he didn't read it, but the scriptures don't say anything about him reading it. He just found the book, found the law. He brings it, and, and maybe there's a possibility he couldn't read it. If you do any study on scribes, if you do any study on that, scribes was the one that was interpreters and the ones that, that rewrote things and things of this nature. And so that's the reason he brought it to the scribe. The Bible says the scribe reads it himself first. And then he takes it to the king Josiah. Now, when he comes to Josiah, that's not the first thing he mentions. He mentions him about the treasure. He mentions him about, because that's what he was sent to take care of business. Josiah had the position, the place to set these things in order. 
to put them in action, to put them in motion. And so as he moves and instructs Hilkiah, the priest and the scribe to do these things. So he addresses that. If you read down through this, he addresses that. But then he comes to the place. He says, but the priests found the book, the law. And the Bible says he reads it to Josiah. Watch this. And the Bible says Josiah humbled himself to the word of God. He heard it, not with just these ears. He heard it with the ears of the heart, and the mind, and the spirit. And he knew that if there was going to be any revival, any reform going to take place, you got to go back and do it God's way. And so he starts a process. And, and Second Chronicles, actually, does a lot better job of, of, of laying that out, what he really begins to set up and what really begins to take place. Amen. In Second Chronicles, and it's 1 through 8, but I'm going to drop down to the third verse. We know that he's 8 years old. What information is given there? For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, while he was yet young, seek him while you're young. Seek the things of God. Search the scriptures. Memorize them. Learn how to humble yourself and talk to God and pray. You know the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. There's no, better, there's no greater teacher than you getting in your prayer closet and just start talking to God, calling out to God. You can start with a whisper. You don't, even have to, you don't have to even do that. Hannah gives us an example of that. But I promise you, if you do that with sincerity and honesty, there is a God in the heaven that the devil and all the world can't keep him from showing up. All the restrictions, all the boundaries. I'm telling you, there's some areas. I don't care what laws they pass, what kind of restrictions they put up. There's some areas, I'm telling you, when they throw them in the dungeons, you couldn't keep God out. When God moves in, he has a tendency to break out and deliver. You know what's wrong with America? She don't pray. She talks about it, she sings about it, she brags about it. She doesn't do it. Well, the Bible says if my people humble themselves and pray and turn, And I'll heal. I'll heal their lands. I'm about, to, I'm about to just get to a place, you know. If you promise the Holy Ghost, you can have it. Don't listen to nothing or nobody. You let the Word of God trump everything, every voice, even yours, even your feelings. You let the Word of God trump it. You let it override it. And you pursue that. Until you attain it. Or anything else that you know that would be the favor of God and the will of God in your life. You reach for it until you attain it. Because it's the word of God. As he begins here. Uh, eight years old, young. He began to seek after the God of David, his father. And in the 12th year, 
So that would put him somewhere around 16 now. The 12th year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem at 16 years old. He began to purge. He began to take some things out. Before there can ever be a real, real feeling and a real revival, they must first be a purging. Cleaning out. Oh, I'm telling you, I feel like I am in the Holy Ghost today. That includes in our minds, our hearts, our spirit. That includes my brothers and sisters. That includes my neighbors. People I don't like. The Bible's told me to love my enemy. You love people, you don't ridicule them. You don't make light of them. You don't run them down. You don't pray bad things on them. <laughs> Praise God. Go to the same verse. From the high places, from the groves, the carved images. And he began, you know what, you know what Josiah was doing? He was walking down through them cities. He was seeing idols and altars that was built that wasn't of God. How did he know that? He's only 16 years old. His father didn't do it. He built it all back. He put it all back in place. Buddy, whenever you start having the ear to hear the word of God. And the only place you're going to really be able to hear the word of God is at the house of God. Oh, I probably stumped something right there a little. I guess I just feel, I guess. Read, study. But I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to top the anointing preach word of God from across the pulpit. I'm coming across some swords right there, I know. Crossing some spirits right there. But it's a dangerous thing whenever you start letting your personal studies and your digging, amen, especially if it's contrary to what's under the anointing from the pulpit. You know why America's got where she's at? It's because she's bound the pulpit. She's muzzled the ox. She set up board members. And she set up individuals. Uh, I've heard that in certain places. I, I had an apostolic tell me just a few months ago. That a certain place that uh, they knew somebody went and tried out. And, and tried to work with them. But, but, but some of the requirement was that you had to send in ahead of time. And I mentioned this a few weeks ago. And this was supposed to be an apostolic church. The, the, the pastor had to get permission from the board to preach what he was going to preach. I'd have preached that board out. That been the first message I preached. I'd invited them along by themselves and preached to them and let them know quick. And you know what? You know what really worked way out there? It's whenever you know you got the anointing and then the will of God and the Holy Ghost backing you up. Because God can either, that board can repent or God can pull the nails out and send them down the road. Send them where they need to go. 
I'm not going to name names here, but I could. But they need to go some other places, not in the apostolic, not where there's truth, not where the word of God trumps everybody. This word of God, and you watch it, it trumps me. The Bible said, let every man be a liar and God be truth. But if the man of God is anointing, preaching truth and leading, guiding us back and tearing down things that ought to be torn down, I don't care what grandma put it there, what grandpa put it there, and how long it's been there. If it's not in the Word of God and backed up by it, it needs to be plucked out and thrown out. So you watch what he's doing here. The next verse, and I done mention this. He removed the high places. He broke the images and cut down the groves and broke in pieces the brazen serpent. I'm sorry, I'm on the wrong one. Let me drop down. <laughs> that was Hezekiah. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence. He didn't just send people. Josiah, this, this 16 to 20-year-old boy, young man, he's there. He's watching it. He's wanting them to understand. Now, if you go back to the text, and it went the word of God. And when he heard the word of God, what did Josiah do? The Bible said he stood by a pillar. And he made a covenant with God. He would do what the word of God and what he had just heard the word of God to instruct him to do. He made a stand for God. And for the service of God. Folks. We're living in a world. And we're living in a nation. That is doing everything it possibly can. To glorify. Flesh. I'd love to say we have kept it out of the apostolic church. But you be the judge of that. You be the judge of it. Because everything that attacks the world and has, has penetrated the world is constantly looking for a way to get into the church. Because it understands it's the only way. Why do you think families have been under such an attack? Anybody that's got any sense at all would know that a family takes... One man and a woman. Not two men, not two women. But look where we're at. Look what's having to be put up with in the educational realms where they're doing their best to force us. There's some doctrines that need to be pulled down now. There's some doctrines that need to be... Well, if it was good enough for grandma, you don't know that. I tell you this much. I'm taking the scriptures. Grandma or grandpa didn't make it. They're praying for you not to come like they come. Parable or not, still in the book. Okay. I'm, I'm, Y'all ready? Hang, can you hang just a little while longer? 
images and groves, they cut them down, the carved images, the molded images. I mean, man, they, they was going from one extreme to the other and all kind of, all the, kind of they, but you know what? He, he broke them in pieces and he made dust out of them, man. He, he, he grounded them up, but he, he wasn't nothing left of them, man. And, and after he'd done that, it talks about how that he took them and strolled upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto them. And then from that, all this is in Second Chronicles 34 chapter. If you want to go back and read it. But when his eyes went to the sepulcher of the prophet... The prophet that had come 280 years prior to him. And told a man that hey. He didn't disturb him. He didn't, he didn't get his bones. He didn't pull it out of the grave. He left him alone. He left that prophet alone. So as we watch Josiah. As we watch him. As you go back to the scripture text, the 23rd and 24th chapter uh, here uh, in 2 Kings. You're going to see the 22nd, 23rd chapter. And, and I know time, time's really running out here, and, and, I, and I apologize for that. But, but there were some things, and just I won't, I won't read it all. I don't really have the time to read it all. But did you know that, uh, let me see if I can find that particular scripture. Uh, such as this, the high places that were before Jerusalem, which were on the right hand of the Mount of Corruption. And, and there's, they say there's three mounts. Mount of Corruption is the center one, which is high places, okay, in Jerusalem. And, and so that's what they're referring here. Which Solomon, the king of Israel, had built for Ashtoreth. And the abominations, amen, of, of the, uh, the, uh, the Moabites and, and of the Ammon children. All of these were altars and, and images that had been built and set up over a period of time. And, and there was even, he broke in pieces the images and cut down the groves and filled their places with the bones of men. But with the altars that was at Bethel and the high places, which Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel to sin and had, had made both of the altars in high places. This is the golden calves. All the way back to Aaron. You can go all the way back to Aaron. These old spirits, they just, they don't die. They just show up further down the road and in different ways. Did you know you're still battling with some of these same spirits? I mean, we're living in a world, you know, come on, let's make going to the house of God an easy thing. In fact, we're battling with spirits now that some don't believe you have to go to church. You don't have to have a pastor. You don't have to have a spiritual leader. You don't have to have any of that. So you know what? God says, okay, I'll say let a little corona come along and y'all go on and just stay home. And the just has to suffer with the unjust. I can promise you some people's enjoying this. I forgot who it was. Maybe some of you. Somebody was in the hearts words. Anyway. But uh, somebody was saying. They're, they're members of a different denomination. But this here has totally annihilated their church. They don't gather at all. I mean, they just disperse. They're scattered. Obedience. The power of obedience. I got all the confidence in the world. We're going to win. We're going to come through this. I got all the confidence in the world. <laughs> Amen. Three weeks, we hated every minute of it. But, but you know what? I knew it's not going to destroy us. 
or we may have to, you know, get built back up and do some things. No. The love of God, the doctrine of his word. And thank God for technology. If you know how to use it, <laughs> if you can get tapped into it. Some good preaching. There's some good wholesome things that you can get a hold of out there. They can help you along this way. I was looking for a particular verse. You can stand. I know my time. It's 1130. We want to go over there and pray for those. Oh, Lord. But I read. I know I read it. Praise God. I can't seem to put my finger on it right now. But anyway, there was an altar, something that's built by Saul himself, the first king. The first king. And it's written. That Josiah had to have tore down. In fact, if you go and read even with Hezekiah and some of them, some high places hadn't been tore down. Certain areas and certain places had not been purged. But when Josiah came, watch this. He didn't only, if you go read in other places, he didn't only Jerusalem. But you'll notice it says cities. And there's other cities that's outside. He even makes his way up to north of Israel. That's what he's talking about with Jeroboam and them. And some altars that had drifted down into the golden calves. He tore them down. That's the reason it's so important to not only have the Holy Ghost, but to, to make sure it's alive and well in our lives. Because there's an adversary. And he's trying his best to deceive us. He's trying his best to get us down a side road. He's trying his best for us to build some altars that we may think are even you. But when you do a study on it, them old altars have been around a long time. They've just been kind of disguised and overlooked and pushed in a corner. Just waiting. Waiting for the opportunity. Waiting for the right leadership to step in. Hey, I'm more, I'm more accurate here than what you think I am. That's the reason you see whole churches that was once apostolic fall under a different leadership. And 90% or better follows him. There'll only be a small remnant that might survive, that may overcome or leave. This thing is real, it's powerful. Now watch this. I, I know I'm, I got you standing. Watch this. This is some of the key I want to talk about in just a second. But Josiah did not let what happened prior and what's going to happen after rob him of the reform and the revival and the blessings of God. I want you to catch that. Regardless of what those prior to you and those falling behind you, you and I have the responsibility to that. Obey the voice. Because obedience is better than sacrifice. Regardless of how much this generation may have failed. And regardless of how, the next, how much the next generation is going to fail. Josiah didn't let that bother. And it was prophesied to him that it was going to happen. But Josiah says, I'm going after God and the things of God. And for that, and, and watch it at the end of it. Even the scholars and all, it blows their mind if you read it. The death of Josiah. 
an untimely death as he rose up against the enemy and one of the archers just happened. I'm sure Sister Buford would help me out with this a little bit. Such as a man like Brother Verbal Bean, mightily used of God, having revival, strong apostolic church, prophesied of three deaths, and all of a sudden at a crossroads in Louisiana, snatched out of this world. Do you know what? Josiah still was done what was right. And he lived for God. Now watch this. The judgments of God are going to come. And just like this, Josiah had to be removed. And his son took the place. It didn't last no time. King of Egypt, Pharaoh, comes. And puts, now watch this. The son that took the leadership wasn't the oldest. Okay? But then he takes the oldest and put him in place. And then he becomes as a puppet for the Pharaoh of Egypt. Go back and read it. Because you know why? The judgment of God was going to happen. You and I can't stop the end time. But you and I can be saved in it. You hear me? Let's take to heart what the Apostle Peter taught us on the first day, the first message into this New Testament church. And that's what? Save yourself from this untoward generation. And we're there. Let's do it. The power of obedience. Hmm. I hope if nothing else gets a hold of your spirit this morning, that will. The power of obedience. Those few moments of enjoying some pleasure is not worth the power and the reward of the voice of obedience. God, we love you today and appreciate you so much. So thankful for your people, thankful for this time together, together, and to feel your touch and to hear your word and to be uplifted and strengthened. God, we're praying. We're praying for the Holy Ghost and the power of God to, to move upon this local assembly like never before. As you, you go with us and help us, even throughout this next week, the hand of the Lord, the touch of God, the power, the anointing of the Lord, reaching down and touching each heart and soul and life. You're looking down upon us today. You're looking upon the hearts and souls and lives that are gathered here this morning. You see every need. You see every dilemma, every situation, and the hunger and the passion that's in each one of us. And God, we're asking that we would be fulfilled. We would do like Josiah. We would make our way to the house of God. We'd make our 
our way and to hear the word of God, we begin to tear down the things that need to be tore down, purge out what needs to be purged out, and rebuild and reestablish the promises, the commandments, and the principles of, of the word of God in our hearts, our minds, and spirit. If we have to do it alone, amen, amen, God, you help us. You'd come to our rescue. You'd come and anoint us and speak to us and move upon us and guide us like never before to the revival and to the place that you'd have us to go at the first Jesus name church of Bendale, Mississippi. All the praise and glory and honor is going to be lifted to you and to you alone. In Jesus name we pray. Love you this morning. Appreciate you. Offerings. We didn't even take one. I let it slip my mind. Uh, we, had, we got the Tupelo. We got foreign mission and, and all that. If you'll just, if you got it, that's fine. If you don't, but just may, my, be mindful of this and possibly next Sunday uh, to do that. We was actually going to do back for Tupelo back a little while back. But anyway, that, this all happened, so it's hindered that. So I'm going to remind you of all of it. But you could just kind of bring it up if you'd like. Drop it in these offering plates. We'll gather it up afterwards. So, but I'd like for us, if we could, just go back here. Uh, I know some may be on the knees to leave. And some of you, if you don't feel safe to do that, that's fine. I understand that. There's no problem with that. Uh, but if you would, all that would join with us, and let's go back there. Pray God's hand, God's blessing, God's protection, amen, upon our children, upon the staff. And uh, we just need God. We just need God to help us, okay? God bless you. One more thing. I'm sorry. One more thing. I'm going to get it all here together. Uh, this is a, a thank you card from Sister Beverly and for our sister Beverly and Mr. Ricky and uh, the Buford family and their appreciation to you. Knowing people nice as you gives life a brighter, brighter touch. And so to, to each and to all of you, thanks very, very much. Thank you all for your thoughts and prayers during my mother's sickness and for the meal that was prepared for after her service. Also, many thanks for the prayers since her passing. Love and appreciate you all, Shelly Buford and Ricky Howell and the Buford family. Okay, love you. God bless you. Let's, let's go pray for